Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay. I'm delighted to be welcomed back by Samuel Luckers, fresh from his holiday. Hello. It certainly wasn't to Mykonos either. No, you've come back in one piece, which is all good. And Tyrone, you're safe at home, I hope? Uh, yes, as safe as, as can be in a, a house with a screaming one-year-old trying to climb the stairs every 30 seconds, yeah. So is the transfer window a welcome break from the uh, family duties you've got? I'm not sure the transfer window is ever a welcome break in, in this day and age, but it's probably uh, equally as painful, shall we say. Yeah, um, I guess, Samuel, you've said before you went off as well that you've got a good track record of United completing deals when you take your holiday. They got this uh, development on Donny van der Beek in just in time. It's not quite done yet, but United's close to their first signing of the summer window. Uh, what do you make of van der Beek as you know, a United player? I think the only uh, issue I've got with it is why it's taken United this long to, to go for him. Uh, I think he made immense sense in that he's, he's younger than James Madison and Jack Grealish, he's going to cost half as much as those players. And he's arguably better than those two as well. He's He's got Champions League pedigree. Um, I remember coming back, it was when Ty and I went out to Barcelona for United's um, trouncing in, in the Champions League last season, getting back to my hotel room and watching the, the highlights of Ajax's win in Juventus. And obviously I was aware of Van, um, sorry, I was aware of De Ligt and De Jong, but I was watching this Van der Beek guy and thinking, who, who the hell is he? He's, he's brilliant. And this is just from like a, a five minutes highlights package. And of course, watch him a little bit more um, against Tottenham. And it, it, he just struck me as a as an exciting player. Uh, he was never going to go last year, given that De Ligt and De Jong were the two likeliest to go. Um, I, I, I really, I really can't remember too much of him from the Madrid game when Ajax won four one. There, I think that was more like the the Dusan Tadic show, even though it was a phenomenal uh, performance by Ajax. But he was always the likeliest to go this summer, I suppose. Up to a point, it looked like he was Madrid bound. He was making uh, the splashes on marker and and AS. And with United, it was always a case of, well, if, if they'd have to qualify for the Champions League. But the fact that they are actually doing this deal is, um, I, I'd be surprised if he's a flop. I just think he's a really good player. Uh, he's, he's multifunctional without it being a, a backhanded compliment. It'll be particularly interesting to see how Solskjaer does use him because he can play as a playmaker. He can play in a deep line midfield role. It seems like Solskjaer heralded a, a changing of the guard there in that Matic sat out the, the quarterfinal and the semifinal of the Europa League. And Fred was was preferred over him, which which wasn't the case in the Premier League running when he settled on that that first eleven, if you like. So it's it's a fascinating deal on on a lot of aspects and uh, a, ver- a very sensible move by United. I, I I thought all along that although you know I think from a selfish perspective as a journalist you, you might have you might be privy to more information if a certain player is a target and and might come come through the door. But I always felt as though Van der Beek made a hell of a lot more sense than than Grealish or Madison. Yeah, and Ty, 
Samuel touched upon there that it seems almost impossible for Van der Beek to be a flop, particularly the fee which is going to be in the region of £40 million. Um, I mean, that's less than United paid for Fred two years ago, and Van der Beek seems like a player who has the wealth of experience will come into the side. And as Samuel said, he won't only really alleviate the pressure on Pogba and Fernandes when there's fixture congestion, but he can play in one and two roles as well. Yeah, he can. And he's played deeper midfield roles for, for Ajax. I think they've played him as a, a number six before. He he offers variety there, probably offers United the, the prospect of maybe when you're at home at Old Trafford against a team who's, who's parking the bus, you play Pogba in the most defensive role and Van der Beek and Fernandes together in, in a really attacking midfield. So it, it does give United options and you know it, it seems an obvious case of just buying a very good player who's available at a very good price. I mean, it, it's a complete no-brainer, really. You might not look at United's team and think attacking midfield is the one area that they're most in need of strengthening, but they, they need depth and they need goals. And I think it's it's an obvious deal. You've gone from perhaps having a situation where if Fernandez is out, Pereira or Lingard come in, to having a situation where if Fernandez is out, Van der Beek comes in. There's there's a world of difference there. And given the schedule United are going to face this season, there's going to be more than enough games to to go around. You know, he looks a real it looks a real classy footballer as you expect from players schooled in in the Ajax academy. And I think he can just add an, an awful lot to this team. And you know, I think it's it, I wrote a piece of lunchtime. I think it shows it, it's essentially United are going for more attacking players still. It takes, you know, 85, 90, maybe 100 goals to win the Premier League this season. And United did well last season, I think scored 66. So they still need more goals in this in this team and, and they need good cover in those attacking areas as well. And, and this deal just seems like a complete no-brainer. And, and you think back to January, they've now signed Fernandes and Van der Beek for combined £87 million, really, potentially rising more with add-ons, of course. But when you think that Villa wanted £80 million for, for Grealish alone, it shows what, what good business they've done there. Yeah, you've got to give them credit in that aspect. And Samuel, on the fact that he's an attacking midfielder, I guess the way that United exited the Europa League and their form towards the end of the season, there was the debate amongst fans that a centre-back was maybe the second most needed addition after a right, right winger. But as you've said throughout the season, that United have needed this extra attacking midfield player for when they're up against these maybe small teams at home and they can't crack them down because so many of United's dropped points last season were against teams in the bottom half of the table. United just had no options off the bench. Of course, Bruno Fernandes alleviated that, but he was absolutely knackered by the end of the season. But signing a new attacking midfielder does make a hell of a lot of sense. It does. I was looking at, uh, say they ended uh, the window with, with two attacking players and looking at what the 20-man matchday squad would be like. And OK, it does look top-heavy, but it, it, they would certainly not... I'd be surprised if they struggled to beat the, the fodder like they did last season because they have, if anything, they've overcompensated for um, certain areas of the squad, whereas last season... They they really did flirt with disaster, and the season did get off to a disastrous start. I think in mid October they, or sorry, late October they they were fourteenth in the league, and they had I think two wins from their first seven or eight games as well in in, in the league. So they they always wanted another forward. Um, I I know we're talking about this as if like Sancho's boxed off when it's nowhere near the case whatsoever, but 
ultimately they, they want a winger and a forward. I suppose with Van der Beek, some people will say, well, he's a midfielder as well. He, you know, he can flit between the two, which is a bonus. I think there are certain players, as I said, um, that are multifunctional without it being a, a backhanded compliment. I think you know, Van, Louis van Gaal said in his interview with 442 last week about James Milner, he's a multifunctional player. With him, I, even though he's had an, a, an exceptional career and won pretty much everything, I think it is more of a bit of a back... It is, a bit of a backhanded compliment with him. With Van der Beek, I think he can um, switch between those roles uh, a lot more fluently. It'll be interesting to see where he plays uh, for the Netherlands in the Euros next year as well, uh, given that they've got such a strong and um, exciting spine there, even though they've not necessarily got an outright number nine like they used to with, with Cliver or, or Van Nistelrooy. I think it's Dubai who who plays through the middle, but he's, he's obviously you know, having a having a really good career and he's he's on an upward trajectory but I don't think Van der Beek's actually been a regular for them either so it'd be interesting to see where he plays for the Netherlands whether his position changes on an international level from where he plays against United but in terms of the opposition certain players positions change and that's that's just a natural tweak that, that that's something in your armory you need if you ever want to move up the table or progress as a club and Solskjaer has talked about moving up the table and if you're going to move up the table second or aiming for second doesn't really quite cut it it seems a little bit small time I'm not saying that United will win the league next season I don't think they will as it stands at the moment Um, and probably by the end of the window I still probably won't think they'll win the league but that's something that they've got to you know, they've got to reach for that's got to be the challenge now and with someone like Van der Beek and potentially Sancho as well which uh, again it's it's still a big if that I mean we're halfway through the window and it's been a pretty tedious saga as it is uh, that, that gives them a hell of a chance of at least being more competitive and certainly as you said killing off the fodder that they struggled against last season. Yeah, and of course, one of the teams that they struggled against, they lost against, was Crystal Palace at home. They got them on the opening day. I know this is hypothetical times, a long way to go. And of course, it all depends how quickly Paul Pogba overcomes his coronavirus uh, diagnosis as well. But who would be your midfield free for the opening day against Crystal Palace as it stands now if Donny van der Beek does sign or when he signs? Uh, I would say probably still Matic, Pogba and Fernandez. Um, I would yeah. think. I, I think a game away at Palace playing Pogba, Van der Beek and Fernandes in the same team is, is probably just far too aggressive. And although Palace are fundamentally a defensive team, uh, I think you're leaving yourself fairly vulnerable there. The the holding role when they do play a, a traditional holding midfield is probably the interesting one. Like Samuel said, they did use Fred in the Europa League and I think it was noticeable that he, he gives them a lot more in terms of pressing than, than Matic does and certainly pressing when teams are trying to play out from the back. You know, it's against Sevilla at sometimes he you know, he was alongside Fernandez harrying Sevilla's midfielders when the ball was played in there and and that kind of showed a way that United could evolve. But I don't think a Roy Hodgson team is likely to be passing the ball out from the back. So I can't imagine there's going to be much need for, for that kind of role. It's probably a game that, that suits Matic having an imposing six foot plus defensive midfielder who can help win headers and, you know, help help clear crosses and, and long balls downfield, which is likely to be Palace's plan under Hodgson. So I would think it makes sense to to play Matic in that game and I would think it would be a, an, an easing in for Van der Beek. And obviously, that is dependent on what happens with Pogba. He's likely to only have a, a week, just over a week of pre-season training. And, and the fitness element is, is kind of an unknown here with, with a short pre-season. Yet yeah, players obviously 
were playing still fairly recently. So there's a few unknowns in there, but I would probably stick with, with that same midfield for that game. Yeah, Sammy, so, mean, you look at that United squad now, just in general, and the midfield's looking quite overstacked again. You've got the likes of Lingon and Pereira, whose time looks to be up at United. Juan Mata's still there. But what do you think the future holds, mainly for people like Fred and Scott McTominay? Because games have already pretty much at a premium when Fernandes and Pogba established their partnership next season. It seems like one of them's going to really have to miss out again next season. You'd think that. And obviously Matic has signed a new three-year contract as well. So as I said, in terms of looking top-heavy, I, I, I think it, it takes me back a little bit to 2014 when they signed Falcao and Di Maria and, and Herrera was regarded as an attacking midfielder and, and Rooney would play behind two strikers, but they pretty much you know forgot about the defence and ended up playing Tyler Blackett far more often than they should have done, which was, I mean, he should never have played for Manchester United, so um, for him to have played as often as he did was, was a worry and you know, I, th- I think Van Gaal tried to bring a bit of joy to United's play, but he cottoned on quite early on that he couldn't get away with it because that defence was was so so fragile. And I- I'd still say it is, even though they've they've had an improved record and the, the two defensive signings had a decent seasons. I don't think Maguire was necessarily and ha- had a necessarily had the stellar campaign. I thought his best performance was on his debut. Wan Bissaka clearly tied towards the end of the season but in terms of what you want from an adventurous uh, forward thinking modern fullback he he really does not cut it there he's he's got a lot to improve on so with players like McTominay and Fred McTominay more so you'd think that he has that there's more merit there in that he is defense he can be defensive minded but he again he's another player that Solskjaer has tried to coax these um his his attacking instincts out of because he played uh, as more of an attacking midfielder and sometimes as a number nine in the reserves and the youth team uh with Fred it's it's a bit of a hard one to take because I suppose you know he, Van der Beek is probably the most like him in terms of the way they play the game. If you're judging Van der Beek as as a number six type midfielder, which is the role Fred certainly took on in the last two games of the season against Copenhagen and Sevilla. So it's if if you if you regard in Van der Beek as as a midfielder, that's that's a hell of a sextet they've got there. If if you're adding Fernandez into it, I still wonder. Even though um, I can imagine just about every United fan listening to this won't like me hearing, won't like to hear it, but there has always got to be the possibility that next year Paul Pogba will leave because if he has any principles about him, and if Mino Raiola has any principles about him, which is a big if, then next year is logically the time they would look to get him a move elsewhere. Now the goalposts might have completely changed, and Real Madrid. Uh, just just cannot afford him um and they can't they can't justify making a move for him next year although i think as long as Zidane's there there's always got to be a chance barcelona just seems to be completely out of the equation because they're a basket case for club so you always have to be prepared so it's better to be ahead of the curve rather than losing a brilliant player and then having out having to go out and replace them as was the case with ronaldo in 2009 and that was in the post for a long, long time, and United never really did replace him. They they tried to go about it in a different way. So, as is often the case with these things, there are so many nuances. Uh, in fairness, Pogba has taken up more of a deeper role, uh, or he certainly did when he played last season when he wasn't injured. So maybe Van der Beek is seen as a more forward-thinking or, or an adventurous option. Um, I'm not too sure. I don't think many people really envisage Fernandez to take to the number ten role, just as remarkably well as he did and 
regardless of how many penalties he scored and what have you, he, he his impact was sensational and, and he was brilliant for United from pretty much the moment he signed. So there was an awful lot to, to mull over and you can field two separate midfield threes that would you know, get into would would enrich most other teams in the Premier League. Um, it's it's a nice problem to have, and I, I suspect Solskjaer would much rather have that problem than having to resort to playing Andreas Pereira as a holding midfielder and losing to Burnley. Yeah, exactly. And we saw even in defence just how the competitions for places really even made Luke Shaw better. So Donny van der Beek could bring another level out of players already at the club. Ty, United's interest now has to be in getting a right winger. Jane Sancho remains the priority target elsewhere. United fans hungry for more signings. Um, do you think in a hypothetical situation that United getting Jane Sancho and Donny van der Beek would be enough for them to challenge for a title next season? I think that's probably unlikely. Um, I think it would probably push them closer, but I think that the target for the season probably always needed to be just closing that gap to Liverpool and Manchester City rather than winning the title. And obviously you've got the issue of Chelsea thrown in there as well. Now Chelsea has spent an awful lot of money and you would expect improvements of them. Obviously the great unknown with them is a bit like United in terms of their manager and, and what level can their manager go to and can he sustain a, a title challenge but I would think just those two would, would make United more of a force more of an attacking force you'd expect them to score a lot more goals but I'm not sure whether that would, would catapult them into a title challenge and uh, you know I think whatever they did in this window unless they spent 300-400 million pounds I think it was always going to be unlikely that they would find a way to challenge for the title unless Liverpool's standards slip dramatically and City kind of have another season like last year and suddenly 85 points is it's enough to win the title. But if you're talking, it's going to be 95 to 100 points again. And then I think that's probably a stretch too far for, for United to find that improvement in, in one go. I, I think the aim of the game here has to just be to, to close the points gap, um, really. The, the interesting thing is probably what happens if United you know, do only sign Sancho or even sign don't sign Sancho and Chelsea continue their spending spree and, and how you kind of assess United against Chelsea next year. It's not inconceivable that Chelsea spending will, will push them above United and United finish fourth and... You know, do you judge Charles Scar on that or do you judge the, the board on the failings on, on transfers on that? Um, I think it'd be harsh to judge Charles Scar on, on slipping behind Chelsea if the spending level isn't matched. I think that'll be an interesting development during the season. But I do think, you know, whatever they do, I think it's going to be very difficult to, to go for a title challenge in, in the space of one season. Samuel, you uh, mentioned before on Twitter as well that United have never gone beyond that £150 million threshold on permanent arrivals in the summer transfer window before and of course this is only really a snip with Donny van der Beek but if Sancho was to come it would push it up to that that threshold for yourself what how many players would you hypothetically maybe think I do need if they are to really go for a title challenge and for you to be going into a a season confident that they can actually go with that ambition of winning the league title I'd still say two more I think that they they definitely need a centre half Lindelof just was unconvincing last season. Maguire can have unconvincing moments. The backup there is it's, it's a case of quantity over quality. They they need to get rid of three of them for one. I think they've got eight centre halves, and really United would like to see the back of, of three of them. I think that's been reflected by Rojo going on loan, Smalling going on loan, Jones not really getting looking whatsoever. So there's room for improvement there, but there's not a lot of room to accommodate a new centre-half. They they simply have got to get rid of players um, in that position. I mean, it, it is interesting, the point you touch upon, in terms of 
um, them never breaking 150 million uh, for, for spending in a in a single summer. That that's for permanent signings. They did in 2014, but it was only taken over, I think, by the Falcao um, loan fee, which was was six million. So. With this summer, even though they're close to matching the investment of last year, which was, I think, with all the add-ons, amounted to £148 million, it's not necessarily a show of commitment from the Glazers. It's it's a bit of a departure from the norm, because normally when United are going into a season with Champions League football, they don't tend to spend anywhere near that £150 million mark as they have in summers where they've not got a season of Champions League football to look forward to. The biggest investment's always when they've they've come out of it, which is not a coincidence with, with owners like the Glazers. But the, the show of commitment would be if they were to sign a centre-half in addition to possibly Sancho, and, and it does take it over £150 million, well over £150 million in fact, and it's strengthening a key area of the squad and centre-halves do not come cheap. I mean, I know by um, now looks quite cheap at 30 million, but at the time that was seen as steep because um, nobody had really, I say nobody had really heard of him. I know it's a very insular thing to say, but he was not a defender of great repute. He played for a team that had not played in the Champions League for a long time in Villarreal. I think the only exposure he'd had, certainly to English audiences, were when they got knocked out of Liverpool in the Europa League that year. But that that fee a year later looked cheap because of how the market fluctuated. And of course, the asking price for top level defenders now is so, so steep. And United had to um, you know, make their own acquisition in, in Maguire last year, which which was a world record fee for a defender. So if, if they're getting a defender, there's no way I can see it being a real top level established um, international who's played at a major tournament or, or won a major trophy it would have to be a, someone more of a buy like profile a little bit like what City had done with, with Nathan Ake who has been bought clearly as a squad player and, a, and as a player who would be able to slot into a back three they would hope with Koulibaly and, and Laporte with United if they're going to invest close to £150 million on, on two, two forwards I mean, if if they did somehow, you know, spend upwards of fifty million pounds on a defender, I would be amazed by that. And I don't think they can necessarily generate the funds from sales that could uh, give them leverage to do that either. I, I'd maintain that if they are to sign a defender, it would have to be a, a buy style um, option who's who's not particularly well known, who's not got as big a profile as certain other defenders who who'd be preferable for, for the supporters to to see signing for, for United. But there's there's merit in that as as we've seen before. Um I suppose by at the time was a surprising signing because it was pretty clear they needed someone who who was established at the time and they'd spent the previous summer trying to entice Sergio Ramos but were led down the garden path. So It'd be interesting to see if they do try and make that happen. But from what I hear, I would be absolutely astounded if they somehow made the four signings that seems to be, uh, the general consensus certainly among supporters seems to be that they, they need four. Yeah, of course. Uh, in, maybe in terms of strengthening defence next season, it'd be interesting to see if Dean Henson's picked as number one goalkeeper, what type of impact he would bring to the uh, defensive line, whether he's more vocal than David De Gea, whether he wants... Uh, different structure really from his defence in front of him it's interesting to see how they respond to that but Ty as Samuel said halfway through the transfer window it's kind of a mixed bag in that United have just agreed a deal to sign Van der Beek for what looks a really good fee but how would you evaluate the summer so far because 
five weeks in, they've signed one player who was there available from the start. Yeah, they have. Um, and I think any judgment of United's transfer window probably has to take into account what, what Chelsea have done with their nearest rivals last year. And they have spent very aggressively throughout. And I think that is inevitably going to cloud some judgments about, about what United are doing, and, and understandably so. Um, I mean, it can be judged in, in slightly better light now that, that they've got this Thunder Big deal over the line. I think on if we were judging it on Friday and Saturday, I think we'd have been very critical of them. This has shown clear progress. Um, it's important to remember there are still five weeks left. It's not ideal that pre-season training starts on, on Wednesday and there might only be one new face there. Um, but th- there are five weeks still to go. And, and United are clearly playing the long game and are adamant they won't be held to ransom over, over Sancho and that's been their case for a while. So, you know, it, it's certainly not a perfect transfer window. You, you'd probably say it's, it's middling at best at the moment. But it, it probably has to be judged really on, on October the 5th and, and what they managed to do between now and October the 5th. Obviously, the, the concern would be that they will have played three Premier League games, possibly four, I guess, if that Burnley game is rearranged and they're out of the cup, but at least three Premier League games by, by then. And they won't want to be leaving it too late once the season starts to recruit players and, and risk losing ground early on. So they'll certainly want to accelerate business over the next couple of weeks. I, I think for now, you know, they're, they're probably looking a five out of ten at best, really, for, for what they've done. But we know how quickly things can change. If by the end of this week, Sancho's signed as well, then we're going from five out of ten to probably a nine out of ten. So we know how things how quickly things can change in the transfer window. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Samuel United have always maintained throughout the Sancho negotiations and they've always reiterated that the window does end in early October. They didn't want to get dragged into those transfer games and submit to Dortmund's own self-imposed deadline. But for yourself, I know you grow tedious. It's like talking about fixtures for you. But Jason Sancho, what does your gut (laughs) tell you about United's pursuit of him? Do you still believe United have what it takes to to learn to Old Trafford this summer? Uh, It's a... Very tough question to answer. I think it must have been about four weeks ago now that they communicated to us that they were prepared to walk away from a deal. And a month on, they haven't done that, which is a reflection of how... I mean, it either shows how badly they want him or they are pretty confident of getting it done despite all the mitigation that has uh, happened during that time that's elapsed and that Dortmund have said that actually his contract um, has got three years to run on it and the decision is final that he's staying. There'll be questions asked if they don't sign him purely because they have spent so much time on it. I mean, in terms of coming back to work for me, trying to you know think of things to write about and, and stories chasing up on, um, you know, the, the mood has changed a hell of a lot because they're, they're about to sign Van der Beek. But had had that Van der Beek development not happened at the weekend, today would have been kind of like a bit of a day of doom and gloom because it's you know it's halfway through the window they've still not signed anyone and they might not like it and I, there's an element of frustration at United that people are ignoring the impact of the pandemic um, I, I I get that to an extent I, I think speaking on behalf of all of us and the MEN, we're not just plucking names out of thin air. The, the the names that are plucked out of thin air that might appear on the MEN, they appear in gossips. But in terms of names we've, you know, said they're interested in or they, they could go for, that list is quite is quite tight. Um but unfortunately for United, they they are judged uh, next to Chelsea because they finished above Chelsea last season. And of course there's a lot of 
uh, mitigation with why Chelsea are spending so much because they've not signed any players in, in the last couple of transfer windows or couldn't sign them to be used at that time because of the transfer ban. They banked a lot of money from the Hazard deal. I think it might have been Jonathan Northcroft at the weekend. He wrote, wrote a very good piece in the Sunday Times about how much Chelsea had generated for four players who hadn't played for the club. I think Michael Hector was one of them. And they got £26 million for them, which... Is you know is is great going. It's 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 an example of why you've got to be proactive sellers as well as buyers. United are not proactive sellers. I think that's as much a frustration as them not actually signing anyone. Okay, they got rid of Sanchez, which I suppose defied expectations because a lot of people were worried that they were going to be saddled with him for a fair old while but Inter Milan seem to be suckers for Premier League rejects or Antonio Conte is but there is there are still probably half a dozen players in that squad if you were to go on the first team section of the website and you look at the squad there are probably half a dozen players there that they do need to just get rid of they need to sell them uh, they need to cut their losses but there's a resistance to that Woodward's gone on record saying it before there's a resistance to churning in the squad because of what happened with Van Gaal where they did take a hit on certain players because he just wanted rid of them but the problem was he got rid of a load of dross and replaced it with a load of dross as well I think they've got to have a little bit more faith in Solskjaer because his hit rate in the transfer market so far has been impeccable I think he's just about got every decision right that he's made when it comes to incomings and outgoings and if they were a little bit more proactive with selling players they would generate more funds and they could possibly add that to the pot and get Give them more leverage to go out and be more aggressive with with signing players. So as I, I agree with Ty, it is it is pretty much a five out of ten uh, window so far. If if you did have to mark them, um, but I suppose there's progress made in that that obviously they they usually operate this one at a time policy. But someone at the club has woken up and decided that if they just put in an offer of Donny Van der Beek, they can sign him, and that's what's going to happen. As simple as that. Offer a player money and you buy them. Maybe the Twitterati were right all along. Who knows? Just like football manager, isn't it? Yeah, it really is as Maybe simple it is. as that. Who would have thought? Oh, well. Uh, both of you going to be watching some Jose Mourinho content later today, I'm trusting? Yes, yes. I've already had a, a glimpse of, had a look at it. The, the Pochettino stuff is, is quite bland. I think Amazon were pretty keen to uh, just just get onto the, the box office draw. Just just do away with the short, the, the prologue, if you like, and, and get on to Mourinho. So it, it should get be quite entertaining. Exactly. Will you get much time away from your loving family time for that? I'm sure once the little one's in bed, I can uh, I can find time for that. Maybe after I've done a couple of episodes of uh, Succession, which is the box set of choice at the moment. I'm sure I'm surprised Amazon wasted any time on Pochettino, to be honest, considering that the, you know, they must have been absolutely robbing their hands together when Mourinho got that job. It, it's just going to be absolute gold, isn't it? Yeah, I, I can't wait to watch that later. And of course, well, Samuel and I were both having the pleasure of watching Rochdale the night that all that unfolded. And I think we were both regretting being at Scotland <laughs> when it all unfolded. But yeah, oh well, yeah. life goes on. Uh, thank you very much, both of you, for joining us today on the Manchester Red podcast. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. And like Samuel said, we will bring you all the latest uh, Manchester United transfer news throughout the week on the Manchester Evening News website. So please stick around online for that. But if you haven't left a like and subscribed already, please do that. And we'll see you again next time.